Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Today, I'm here with Jim Guy and excited to hear his and share his story about moving to paradise. And um, I want to thank you for joining me today, Jim. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Busy with all your drones and uh, playing and having a good time. Um, So we were just chatting before the interview, and um, I had a chance to get to know you um, actually from Facebook with the beautiful pictures that um, you've been sharing pretty much since you arrived here, and um, was uh, fascinated to hear that actually you decided it was the pandemic that made you decide it was time to get out of Dodge. Well, the the pandemic was the final straw. It was... uh... March 1st of 2020, and I was uh, staying on my sailboat in San Diego and uh, had been uh, doing different different jobs to supplement my income and uh, stay busy after, uh, after closing my, my business a few years earlier. And uh, just he- heard the day before on... Uh, February 29th, leap year, that uh, the first uh, American uh, death had been attributed to to COVID, and I just thought, you know, I'd like to be someplace a little mellower than the states to uh, to see where this goes and to weather this. So, bought a uh, one one way plane ticket to uh, Cancun, packed one bag, uh, got a six month. Uh, tourist visa at the airport and came back to the island. And you had been here before, right? So it wasn't a completely new place? Yes, I came here for, here for about uh, eight years ago, around Christmas time, for a week. Uh, loved the place. Thought it was a place I'd like to retire, but uh, always set unrealistic expectations for what conditions I would need to meet before I made the move to come down here. And... Uh, Finally, that that morning on the boat, I just realized it was time to uh, time to give it a try. Time to go, as we say. Yes. <laughs> we've said that a few times. So, um, yeah, it, it, and that I'm glad you said that because a lot of times people do that, and and I don't think um, financial planners help sometimes when they say, "Oh, you have to accumulate some magic number, a million dollars or two million dollars." I mean. I think um, if you are like Tom and I, where you've had some setbacks through your life, maybe a divorce or two, or a business um, not go the way that you hoped, you might not, you might find yourself right at 50-ish, 60-ish going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not really where I wanted to be financially, but, um, you know, we're, we're kind of all living proof that, you know, you can actually do quite well. It's actually harder to pull that off, in my opinion, than in the States than it is here just because of the dramatic, uh, you know, lower cost of living here. Well, yeah, and in the States you have, you always have a choice of uh, living in a place you want to live or living in a place you can afford and you find yourself, uh, you know, in, in the rat race, living somewhere you can afford, working somewhere you can make the most money and it's one of the greatest sources of misery I've seen in my friends and family of you know like my my brother lives in a place he can live he's retired now live in a place he can afford commuted four hours every day to work and uh, just miserable the entire time and risking his life driving on the crowded highways and just unhealthy so unhealthy yeah and I've heard that from from a lot of people and and even you know continue to as those conversations go on about people wanting to make a move because of that, the quality of life. So um, I know you have a background in medicine and you, so you left, you know, the United States, um, as we talked about uh, before we started recording, um, 
due to kind of the science um, state of mind, I guess is what we'll, we'll call it in the United States, and came down here. Um, I know Tom and I have, have said, you know, throughout this whole um, pandemic that we are so grateful that we were here um, because of the attitude of the authorities in terms of how seriously they really took um, mm-hmm. the virus and um, really it, considering um, how close together the Mexican people live and how, you know, the, the medical um, care may not be as prevalent, shall we say, um, I would put forth the quality is just as good, you know, people don't know that, but but the fact that their hospital systems weren't overrun necessarily. I know they had some trouble in Mexico City, but it was really um, an interesting cultural comparison, I thought. Um, you want to talk about that? Well, yeah. I, uh, well, when I got here, uh, there, was definitely, there were definitely rumblings about, okay, this virus is definitely going to get around the whole world. It's going to affect every country. Um, really, even then, even before U.S. passports became so useless in so much of the world, uh, I felt like my choices were U.S. or Mexico. I didn't feel like I could pick up and go to, let's say, Vietnam or uh, Australia. Or you know, I had a very limited budget. Uh, I knew some Spanish. I knew my way around here from from a brief visit before. And I just figured, uh, you know, with with I didn't really have the whole world as a as a choice. Even back in March of last year, I, I thought I better come to this place I liked and knew knew a few people uh, in on Isla Mujeres, and I'd, I'd uh, kept in touch with uh, my dive guide uh, on the island, and uh, he's Is that the one Jim who, by any chance. Uh, no, 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 this, no, this was a, a, a native uh, okay. by the name of uh, Enrique Avila. Okay. And I'd gone diving with him before, and so I, I actually called him that morning when I made the decision to come and said, hey, can you set me up with a place? And he said, oh, my sister has a room to rent and uh, for for uh, for 2000 And I said, oh, that's way too much. And he says... 2,000 pesos is too much? I said, oh, you're saying you have a room for me for a hundred US dollars a month? And he said, yes. And I said, yes, I'll be there tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah, not 2,000 dollars, 2,000 pesos. 2,000 pesos with an exchange rate of 20 to one. um, Wow. Made it a hundred dollars a month to rent. Have rent a room. To rent a room for a month, even if I left after two weeks because things didn't work out, I'd only spent half the cost of a hotel room for the night right. for a month. Wow. <laughs> That's a great story. So um, how long did you end up staying there? I stayed in that room for, I think, two months with a okay. musician couple. They were very sweet. They spoke no English, which was a great crash course in Immersion. Spanish. Uh, great, great immersion, crash course in Spanish. There was much Googling. <laughs> and they were, uh, as musicians, uh, to make any money in tips with music in Mexico, you need to know some some songs in English. And so they were, they were, they had memorized the, the lyrics of several Beatles songs, loved playing those, and had no idea what they were saying. And so we had some fun looking up translations of uh, what they'd been singing. Teaching and they what said, they were singing? They said, well, the Beatles were pretty dang cool. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> they had no idea. Do you play too? No, no, no okay. not, not a musical bone. Okay. I mean, I played trumpet in junior high okay. in a band, but no, I'm not, I'm not musical. So you just got to enjoy their time. Yes. <laughs> so stayed there for about for a couple of months. Then the individual unit next door came available. Rented that for um, three hundred dollars U.S. dollars a month. Your own place. And my own my own place. Uh, if you walked in the front door, you your knees crashed into the bed. But uh, it was my place. <laughs> and uh, adopted a dog while there, who was Naturally. basically dying at my doorstep. So oh. I brought him in and 
And again, with the shock of what things cost here, uh, wanted to get in vet care, didn't think I could afford it. Finally got just so desperate to help this dog. I, I, I called a, a traveling vet. She came, did a complete workup, lab work, gave me antibiotics, gave him a shot, gave him an IV, all for a grand total of $12 US. Right. <laughs> so I felt bad about not helping him earlier. Sooner, right. Yes. The, the, uh, the shock, the shocks of what things cost here um, don't stop after a week. I mean, it, it, I've been here over a year, and it's still you, you're still amazed at how little how little things cost. We we've been here for four years now. We just uh, mentioned we went down to Playa and got these beautiful blown glass lamps mm -hmm. to hang here in the, the ceiling, and I didn't even ask how much it was going to be i just ordered them you know and right. so we weren't really prepared for any price low or high like it was like we want them we wanted something custom you know their art pieces mm -hmm. of art right and just were shocked it was um with the the electrical wires that you hang them from um it was less than three thousand pesos for these Beautiful. Which is one hundred and fifty dollars total and the, for a the, set of three lights. The wires themselves were forty five dollars, so these beautiful lamps were yes. one hundred and five dollars. And I had looked for um, Wayfair, not that they ship here in Mexico, but have think of thinking of having a friend bring them down, and uh, they were well over a hundred dollars a piece mm -hmm. um, on the, the Wayfair site. Uh, so we were, you know, pleasantly surprised. We were ready to pay for pay whatever it was, you know, just because we had ordered custom ordered them but it, it is different you know you never do that i would never do that in the united states order something like that right yes. it could end up being six thousand dollars right, oh, right for those right. those lamps um in a, a artisan situation like that but um here you can and yeah it's it just is um delight i we're a little concerned when we go back um on sticker shock uh, though Tom's got his fishing trip next month and uh, mm. going up to Seattle, so we're like, oh gosh, um, yeah, <laughs> going I, back. <laughs> yeah, every six months I have to go, uh, less than six months, because you never wait till the last minute, mm -hmm. but every uh, five and a half months I go back and, to renew my, my tourist visa in the States, and the first sticker shot comes when you have to buy the plane ticket, and that's enough money to have a wonderful time here just to fly back and go around the turnstile and get a new visa but i took a friend in uh in san diego to uh ihop for breakfast and it was 45 dollars for two people to have breakfast that and, happened to us <laughs> and i can i can get i can have i can get a very nice big fresh breakfast for two with everything for uh, for ten dollars down here, it's, it's like it's like time travel back to back to childhood for what, what things cost. And I think there's a I think uh, a lot of people listening to this might might say, well, hold on, you know, you're really you're really screwing over the locals by taking advantage of them with these low low prices. But they they set the prices. That's right. And uh, you're really not a jerk unless you're haggling with them. Especially in these very difficult times, I don't, I don't haggle on anything now. If I, if I no. can't pay the price that they that they set, I it's it's more respectful to to thank to thank them, say you can't afford it, and walk away. Absolutely. Than to try to haggle, haggle with people whose whose kids maybe haven't had meat in their soup for for six months. Well, or internet, you know, remote learning schools. We had to, you know, right, help right. our maid out with uh, internet. Her, it got cut off. She ran out of data and mm -hmm. asked to borrow money for that. And I said, well, how much is it? And she said, it was like 300 pesos or something. I said, come over here. <laughs> Let me give it to you. No, I'm not going to loan it to you. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the, when, I, when I got here, my, my personal goal Having deep respect for the for the people, and uh, uh, my my personal goal was from day one give give more than you take, give more to the island than you take from the island, and that's in all all aspects of life and, and uh, environmentally and and uh, fiscally and just dealing with dealing with people interpersonally, and uh, 
when uh, things started to lock down here in uh, April, I saw that there were people taking temperatures uh, at the ferry, as as hap has happened in the entire planet and our transportation centers. <laughs> and so I walked up to a, a lady who was who was doing this, and I and I uh, did a stupid rookie move, assumed she didn't speak any English, and went to her with a pre-translated question on my phone, which she politely read and then answered in perfect English. <laughs> right. uh, I said, may I help you? I have a medical background. May I volunteer some time helping to take temperatures here? And she said, yeah, of course. Come, uh, come tomorrow morning. And at this time, everyone was still moving freely. But as I started doing this, taking temperatures at the, at the ferry landing, uh, they started locking down the island more and more. First, the bars closed, and the restaurants closed, and then all the businesses closed unless they were deemed essential, and everybody was stuck at home. And I got to go out and go from my home to the ferry landing and spend time at this beautiful place for for four hours and then go back and be locked in with my sickly dog again and it was it was a way to get out and uh that was that turned into a really big deal yeah i remember that yeah they didn't even want you standing in the doorway of your house much less go out um, right it's really a, a difficult time in that respect um so you you were doing the, um, the the volunteer work at the ferry, and then I know that evolved into additional care work. Uh, well, not not for quite a while. I actually asked the the medical personnel there if I could help with. Uh, oh, I wanted to. I thought it'd be fun to transport patients because I saw nurses from the island transporting patients to Cancun for lab work and other other things and. Thought, hey, that'll that'll make my leash even longer. Longer, right? <laughs> and they and initially they said, yeah, maybe you could help with that, but they that never that never uh, came to anything. So I just volunteered there and took a lot of pictures at the ferry terminal and had always had a passion for photography as a hobby, but uh, got to take pictures just just. On my on my route uh, around home and around the ferry terminal, and got involved with several Facebook groups and sharing those photos, and uh, that got very political very quickly because people were saying, "Hey, these pictures are too pretty. You're luring people here. They're not supposed to come here. Stop it! But keep doing it. They're so pretty." <laughs> Well, you got some amazing shots of North Beach with not a soul on well, that, it. I remember that. Yeah, that came later. But I, what I did is I switched, I switched to black and white. And so I went through a black and white phase during lockdown so that I was showing people what it was like here, answering their curiosity, but not trying Enticing not them. to entice them to come down. And so went into this black and white phase. And... Uh, we went into dry law, which meant that there were lots of police hanging around the ferry terminal, checking people to make sure that they weren't bootlegging liquor over here. And so I got to know a lot of the police quite well, including the police chief. And uh, the after I'd been there for quite a while, the uh, president of Mexico, AMLO, came to visit, and the chief of uh, police was definitely showing force there to, to impress these dignitaries who were visiting. So I walked over I walked over to him and said in my broken Spanish, you're obviously the boss here. Uh, this must be a big day for you. And he said, it's the biggest day of my life. And he was sweaty, palmed, nervous, and I said, uh, do you have a photographer to, to capture, this. capture this big day of yours? And he looked at me like I was the stupidest gringo he'd ever seen in his life. And he said, of course I don't. And I said, well, there's too many of us here taking temperatures. 
there'll still be two people if I go with you. I'll just tell them and I'll go with you and take pictures. And he said, well, all right. So I'm in my nurse scrubs and uh, uh, I asked for his WhatsApp because everyone uses WhatsApp here for communication rooms and phone service. Uh, and so I asked for his WhatsApp number and I started sending him these pictures as I'm taking them and every one he was saying, Wow, this is great. Wow, this is great. So he was so happy. And at one point, he was standing right next to the, uh, the, the military base blockade. And uh, I got between him and a young soldier on a pickup with a machine gun. And the, uh, the soldier asked me very assertively in Spanish, uh, who are you? And I, just being, just being cute, looked at the police chief, looked at the soldier, looked at the police chief, looked at the soldier, and said, "Oh, him, he's with me," and pointed at the police chief, which the police chief <laughs> then bit both his lips and his tongue, trying not to laugh, took me gently by the shoulders, and put me on the other side of him. <laughs> Oh, and we've been great, fun, joking friends ever since. But, uh, yeah, I asked the police chief during lockdown if I could have permission to go to North Beach, which is the biggest draw of the island, because it had been left completely alone for four months. And I said, I want to go there and take pictures to... to the natural beauty, untouched the, na the natural right? untouched beauty of what this beach looks like with no one on it, and to... You know, for historical value, mm -hmm. and he said, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." So I got up on the beach and uh, spent a day making the only footprints in the sand. And from a photography perspective, it was very strange because every step I took was deliberate because I didn't want to turn around, right. shoot a stretch of beach, and have me wandering all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So every step was measured and looking back. And so I captured 617 photos that day of this wow. empty beach and have only released a couple of the photos because there are still hard feelings yeah, about the fact I got that You permission. got to do that. Well, I, I think that's so important. Um, um, in fact, I saw a post back, back then um, basically that with some day I think Dale Stewart had uh, posted some and it had dates on and stuff. Were those yours? Those are probably your photos. Um, uh, it was one of the, uh, even Medina too that was completely no, there were those, desolate. There were some other other there people, were those other people that, who were just it. holding their breath, walking to the end of the street, taking a few shots yeah. and, and leaving. And there were there were people who did that and I, it sure wasn't my place to to police that in any way. No, no. But uh, but yeah, you don't you, you're not going to see that again. Hopefully, um, no, anytime hopefully soon. Don't see that again. No, because <laughs> that that's... that beach is feeds the entire island. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's as much of a draw here as as uh, Statue of Liberty is a draw to New York. It's it's just huge. Yeah, and people come here mostly on four. Most of the people who come to the island come on a four hour trip and. They get off the boats, they go left, and they go to Playa Norte. Yeah, that's that's cool. So you've um, and you've sort of evolved from the photography, um, doing the drone work. Um, you well, want to yeah. Kind I, of tell me how that came about. Well, uh, I uh, I had a drone when I moved when I first came here. It was one of the very few things that I packed, and uh, I went to turn it on, and it just said, "No, this is an airport zone." And so I started looking into what it would take to, uh, to get permission to fly in here. And I uh, asked my uh, chief of police, chief police friend, friends. <laughs> and he said, he said, yes, go ahead. And I had that in a WhatsApp message. But uh, after, after some time of, of flying that way, I had, uh, I had a, a guy, a Civil Air pilot from the States, said uh, uh, saw one of my posts on Facebook one of the general pages and he said you're absolutely not allowed to fly there and I know that for a fact and I thought well I could argue with this guy or I could 
see if I can learn something from this. And I thought, yeah, I really need something in writing. So I went to uh, I went to the new chief of police. There had been a cha- changing of the guard. Went to the new guy, introduced myself to him, told him all the the rules that I impose on myself for flying here, and uh, uh, he gave me a uh, a written license that included those rules as if he came up with them, and uh, signed it. And it's good till it's good till Halloween. Uh, this year, and uh, uh, I, I take that very seriously and appreciate the opportunity to, to get of course, the, shots of the, the military base across the street is probably off-limits, right? You, can't, over that, you yeah. can't go over that. And but, it's, but it's not just the base, but there's also certain. housing up, in, up by... Oh, uh, the military Oscar's housing. Marina. Don't gotcha. fly over that. I won't fly over their pier and their boats. Yes. So I have my little no-fly zones. Yeah, that I stay away from. But yeah, I very much enjoy the photography and sharing it. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starved for adventure and new experiences? Do you feel like you're slowly dying inside, just a little, day by day? Afraid of having to work forever, with never enough money to retire, or live the life you have always imagined. Life doesn't have to be that way. Instead, imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? Join me in this free live workshop. You'll walk away with your own custom roadmap to a dream life in paradise without breaking the bank. Register for our next free workshop at paradiseroadmap.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. And so your hobby is kind of turned into a little bit more than that, right? With a, a few uh, engagement photos, I know, and, yeah, and weddings. Yeah, I mean, just, 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 doing, just doing some stuff for, for, Amer- for American visitors. And I've uh, been doing more, more stuff for, uh, for people, but my, my passion remains doing, doing art shots of the island day, day and night and uh, drone shots and handheld shots. I'm still doing uh, consulting work back in the States and thank goodness for the, the stimulus checks go a lot further here than they do in the States. Isn't that the truth? And, for uh, sure. And I've been getting those. And <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and well, and then you did a nice job on uh, the video for us, uh, the, the uh, interviews mm-hmm. with Paul and Diane, and, and they're helping tell that love story. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but you've had multiple upgrades for your drones. Um. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> well, you know, this the, the technology is increasing very quickly, and I've got a new drone that uh, that has a bigger sensor on it, so it takes better pictures at night. And so, very More much, lo- very much looking forward. Change too with the the. Uh, no, they've, they've been used. They've been able to use satellites to keep. keep pretty stable for, okay. for, for quite some time. It's, it's the camera technology that's, that's, that's improving, driver for the improving mo- most quickly. And, and uh, yeah, so this new one I've got, it's got a one inch sensor. It is able to, yeah, able to capture the, the night shots better. And want to, want to do a lot more moonlight, moonlight shots over the island. Yeah, you like the night, uh, yeah. night photography. I've, yeah, I've noticed that you've, uh, and then yeah, you were, that was interesting. You were explaining the differences in the the colors um, 
the different lights and mm-hmm. like give off different different colors. I had no idea. I, I, I guess the human eye can't see that, right? Is that is that the lens or? I mean, uh, well, you can if you if you really if you really look at if you really look at the lights as if they were like when you look at the when you look at the stars and the planets. You say, well, where's Mars? It's well, that one that's a little red, but it isn't really red. It's very very slightly orange, uh-huh. but but. Uh, those very slight differences we see in the stars, you see those in the in the street lights. And they, they but not come, to the extent that, that the not, photography um, No, because like when you're looking from the air, you see the whole area that the light, light is lighting in it. And it tints everything in that area, and, and you can compare. So um, I wanted to ask you um, earlier, we went on to other things, but I uh, believe you sold your boat in San yes, Diego, so I, you don't have a, a quote-unquote home uh, in the United States anymore? Right. I... Uh, I, one of the Facebook groups I uh, belong to is I think it's called Moving to Tulum, oh. and uh, which is there's a lot of construction going on there, condo construction going on there, a lot of expats moving there. And one of the most common questions that comes up is, "What do you wish you'd done differently when you moved?" And the first answer that comes up over and over again is, "Sell everything." So turn everything into cash and repurchase it here because no matter how much you think you like that chair or that table or that refrigerator that you can't replace down here, you're going to buy it three times over getting it here if it gets here intact and you're better off just selling everything. The one exception I've allowed myself to make is I've got, got, got to get my motorcycle here. <laughs> And it's uh, uh, it's an Italian bike that that I can't get here. Look, at, I only spent twenty five hundred dollars for it in in San Diego. But I don't. Sorry, in Hollywood. I lived in San Diego, but uh, I've looked at what I can get for that here, and that's a pretty junky bike. So, currently riding. Oh, that's the other thing. First thing you do when you. First thing you do before you leave is sell everything, turn it all into money. Second thing is secure your transportation immediately when you get here, because otherwise you'll wish you had. Uh, I bought a $600 junky Mexican motorcycle my first week here, and I have absolutely no regrets. I've you still have it? Been able, yes, and I've been able to go anywhere I wanted to go uh, and not rely on cabs and especially during lockdown oh my gosh just having your own transportation and yes it's been it's been fantastic so so do you have a plan for bringing the bike down or you're oh i'm working right now it's it's in maryland it's going to come down by boat and so as soon as it gets here by boat i've got to go to the police and get a temporary permit for that while I do the import documentation, which I hear is going to be difficult and spendy and may make me feel like I should have sold it and bought here. But anyway, <laughs> pick a couple of things that you're going to take, but don't take, don't try to move a house full of furniture here or anything, anything of the like. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. What did you guys bring down here? Well, we had, you know, we came by sailboat and uh, just when we came, we weren't sure if we were going to stay or not. So with the boat, you know, everything was self-contained and, and tried it out and, you know, decided, yeah, we kind of like it here. So it was actually a year later we went back. We uh, sold most things, cars, motorcycles, things, but uh, put half of, um, or put the rest, what, the things we didn't sell in a 10 by 10 storage. Well, we went back a year later and took, we downsized to half that. So we now have a five by 10 and brought, the, we have a 50-foot sailboat with 30 tons. Oh, know, yeah. A freighter. We have our own freighter, basically. Right, so, right. I mean, and most of the things we brought were actually for this house. Um, you know, things that we couldn't necessarily, indoor, outdoor lamps, like for downstairs. Uh, we, I converted a sleeper sofa into um, teak and tables. Long story. I bought, okay. I bought, I never buy insurance. I bought insurance. Mm-hmm. And it covered pet damage. and so we had the sleeper sofa that was damaged and I thought well if I'm not going to get rid of it I want to at least get it recovered and I'll put it in storage we don't know what we're going to do with it well it turns out that 
fabric wasn't available anymore and they didn't anyway this long negotiation and so finally it, it, they wouldn't give me cash and so finally said well i said well can i go to for store credit yeah sure we'll give you full full store credit on my score so i went to this furniture store and and i don't know if you remember the driftwood tables that are downstairs mm -hmm. so it was all non-metal right nothing that rusts so mm -hmm. we were able to get these these two uh driftwood end tables for downstairs and these two indoor outdoor lamps with a heavy duty cord that because of the salt coming in so we were able to <laughs> convert that one belonging into something that we could actually use down here so um nice. silk plants are kind of hard to come by down here so i had some some silk trees um you know foliage that's down there and and things like that so um, it was very practical, the things that we brought, my, my printer, um, <laughs> you know, that I needed for my business and, um, you know, things, things of that nature. What else? Yeah, electronics. Electronics down here are difficult. Mm -hmm. There was a Best Buy store in uh, Cancun. They shut down. Yeah, they pulled out of Mexico. And, the re and I think the reason is that the, the taxes are just obscene on anything electronic you buy here. So the most common things that get muled down are, are electronics. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I brought a computer that I had to buy a second time on one of my visa clearing trips and broke the monitor, but it still was glad I brought it because I couldn't have replaced it here for anything, anything reasonable. Yeah. You, know, the, you brought up the boat. That's another. That's one of the, the main things that we have in common other than just the human, the human experiences living aboard and uh, just to play on words living aboard and living abroad aren't that different because when you're on a boat and you push off from the marina and you unplug you might as well be in another country for a lot of in a lot of respects and I lived I lived aboard for five years between uh, Washington State Canada and uh, and California and uh, you learn to live small, you learn to live simply, and uh, you learn what you need in life and what you don't need in life and what's important and what isn't uh, materially. And so that made it a lot easier for me to move. It was like moving moving aboard a different boat to come down here. Yeah, but, but that's a, much a good analogy. Boat. Yeah, that, 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 that is a good analogy. I think that's really the case. Um, and yeah, it was, and, and actually when, when I say we downsized to half it, we didn't take half that stuff with us. We actually had made the decision, we're not going back. So, so when you're, you know, it's not a bad move if you're not sure and you just want to try it out for a while, maybe uh, like Diane, she said, you know, I wanted, that's my security, right. that's my insurance. So if it doesn't work out, I know that I can take my china and the, my things that are meaningful for me, mm -hmm. mostly artwork that she's collected around the world and that sort of thing. And I know I could set up an apartment and I would have the things that would make it feel like mm -hmm. home, you know? So, right. so depending on, you know, what your, your reasoning is, but in our case, like we had this ginormous TV, like the 60 inch TV. Well, it was not going to fit on the boat and you know, we, we had no place for it anyway. And I actually ended up selling it to a lady that owned a consignment shop. It was right before the Super Bowl. And I thought that's the perfect time to buy a TV, you know, sell a, a great big TV. So we sold that, but we had just put it in storage because it's like, oh, I don't know, oh, you know. Right. And and then the, the stand that came with it. And then I had some uh, beautiful office furniture that I had for many years when I was practicing law. And I didn't, you know, I, we tried to sell it at one consignment store. It didn't sell and I did, wasn't ready to get it. I ended up just donating it. And, you know, taking the tax right off for it. But, um, you know, probably, and I can't wait to go back and go through it again because we will downsize at least half. But there are a few things in there that, um, you know, mementos and, and right. um, Tom's got his grandfather's shop smith um, that he doesn't want to bring here because yet because of the rust. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, there's a few other things like that that uh, we may hold on to a little bit longer. But... Yeah, the the more you can get rid of the 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 better it is, the easier um, it is. Well, everybody, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, has asked themselves the question of what would I do if my house burned down? And that's kind of a, a way of looking looking at moving and restarting your life is just act like your house burned down. Yeah. Uh, 
and people, that happens to people all the time, a, a flood, a tornado, a, tornado, a fire, say, yeah. and, and losing literally everything but what you had when you went to the store before your house burned down. And um, you know, the, the answer is you go on. You, you'd be fine without those things. Yeah. And uh, this, the, the, the newer generation uh, of travelers that I'm seeing here, these 20-somethings who are coming here, they're all about experiences over things. That stuff, yeah. I, when I was that age, I was trying to buy a car, trying to buy a stereo, trying to buy a big TV. It, I was learning how to be a slave to capitalism before I even moved out of my parents' house, always having to buy the next thing and, and working more than you wanted to and never going anywhere or having any experiences. And... Uh, you know, maybe a maybe a rock concert was an experience, and that's nothing like getting off a plane in a place where everyone's speaking a different language. That's right. And the money is a different color, and the weather is completely different, and you can't call home because it's a different time of day. And it's uh, I'm so happy to see these people traveling, but they're not buying anything in the tourist shops here because. Mm. That's money that they could spend on their next trip. Right. And they just aren't collecting it. Well, it weighs you down, too, right? Stuff True, weighs you yeah. down. So if you collect all of these these things. Um, yeah, it is it's it is interesting to see. Um, yeah, my first husband and I did do the, the backpack around Europe thing and, and uh, did have the experiences. But actually, we came back and we bought a house. <laughs> right. It was a rental when we bought it and we just let them stay there so we could go travel, travel. And so, but you know, it was, we worked very hard to, to try to have both. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, I'm not sure it's so easy to do that in, in this day and age. That was, you know, 40 years ago almost now that we did that. So um, things have changed financially dramatically for these kids. In, in that oh age. yeah, definitely. And, and, and travel is, uh, Right, right now the, uh, the the problem with the biggest problem with the island is having is that airfares are very very high in spite of the fact there are so few people traveling because the airlines just got an enormous bailout to the tune of billions of dollars from the U.S. government and they're they're you know the um, corporate America loves to talk about. Uh, lazy poor Americans who don't who don't want to work and no one there's no one who doesn't want to work like a corporation doesn't want to work and so they've got these bailouts that they're they're sitting on and they are not flying as many flights and they're charging more they're gouging on the they're, and they're thing. gouging because it's just it's cheaper to get bailouts and not and not fly and they know it's in demand, right? People oh, want yeah. to go somewhere, so it's like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll pay whatever it takes. Oh, what did what, what did yeah, we do? Ask me, ask me. Oh, <laughs> okay. What are some? You, you mentioned one, the not selling your stuff. Your stuff. Yeah. You said um, yes. You have more. Well, yeah. So things things that I've that I've done wrong uh, coming here is uh, I I wish that I had uh, done a little more research on. Uh, on the uh, places to stay in the island because I've, I've gotten this place that I'm in right now, I've gotten myself dug so deep there. I, I feel like I owe these people for being so kind to me and giving me such a low rental price and for letting me bring in a, do a, a nearly dead dog. Maybe that was where I'm supposed to be, but uh, I, wish, I wish that I had looked, looked around a little more on where I planted myself first. Maybe it wasn't such a dire emergency to come here. And uh, and another is that I wish I had uh, done a little more research in ways that I could uh, do more consulting with the work that I did. I cut ties so completely with my consulting back there that I've had only a few consulting gigs. Uh, thankfully, they've gotten me through. But, uh, uh, wish I'd looked, looked a better more transition. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, just 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 uh, the research, and and so, I mean, now a year on, looking back, I've 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 got you know I've got a lot of this stuff figured out. And I think okay. had I learned about your program earlier, 
I think that could have been a I think that could have been a big help into uh, you know having someone to ask those questions of and not being well thank you so, for saying so that. Alone in the dark. <laughs> we try we try for sure um, and yeah it is uh, it is a, a big move I'm actually um, working with a, a very uh, successful expat coach right now in uh, I'm going to start marketing her program soon um, as uh, she has a certification process but. Uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about with this market that I've selected, which is really your first time expats, mm-hmm. people, you know, the, the midlife uh, transition folks that are wanting better quality of life, right, mm-hmm. for, for less cost. Um, the problem is they're, they don't know what they don't know. And it's the same thing True, that yeah. I experienced as a business attorney, actually. It, it's sort of ironic because uh, my, my husband used to say um, I was a before stuff happens, um, it's a clean clean show. So I didn't want to say the S word, but I was a before stuff happens lawyer. Mm-hmm. If um, you didn't come to me uh, in business and you waited until things had hit right. the fan, then I was going to have to refer you to one of my business litigation friends, and they were going to be right, a whole right. lot more expensive <laughs> than what I charged uh, on the preventive side. The old, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, penny wise, pound foolish um, sort of phenomenon. But it was the same thing. And, and that's typically what would happen. My clients would get in trouble because they didn't know what they didn't know. And so right. you just sort of plow ahead blindly. And ignorance and is a terrible defense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible defense. And and I think the same is, case, is the case here where um, there's a lot of pitfalls for the unwary. And a lot of times you, you don't even know where they are. Uh, and so it is... Um, beneficial to, mm-hmm. to talk to folks um, and I you know as I've said um, in my community there's all kinds of information out there on the internet but a lot of it is confusing or just flat-out false oh. I've seen so many right. things on there that are just not true and so you have to really consider your source as you're you're gathering the data that you need to make a good decision and then when you when you are uh, local here you you get probed constantly on Facebook by people the most common things that people are asking, and these are people that I definitely, I didn't coin this, but takers, who the question they ask is, what can I get away with down there? Ah, uh, yes. And I, it annoys me so much, because I want to, I had one woman who said, said, oh, well, you can go, you can go to Mexico, and you can get, if, if you're white in Mexico, you can get away with anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can, but look what you, look at the damage you're doing to your own soul and to and to other white people who look like you and don't act like you and you've, you've ticked off the locals by... Well, and I would say that's just flat out false and it's a yeah. good way to land in jail well, um, if you come in with that attitude because the, the fact of the matter is... But you, you see things here, way. you would not see an eight-year-old child driving an Avis rent-a-car Right. In Dallas on vacation from Cancun, but you come to Isla and you see an eight-year-old child driving five a drunk, drunk adults in a golf cart down the wrong side of the road on the island. Yes, and yeah, you can probably get away with that, but what a what a terrible what a terrible thing to to do to people in another place to endanger people to to, to scoff at their laws, and you know the people will say well. Well, I hear that the, the cops down there are, are, are really dirty. Well, if there are dirty, dirty cops, they've probably just dealt with so many absolutely horrible tourists that they're just seething with anger from, from all the things that they've seen. So, so my advice to everybody is, is act better than you would on your own street. Absolutely. And... Uh, be be a good example and just always give more than you take. And I, I'm not a Star Trek fan, but Leonard Nimoy said uh, famously, uh, it, one of the most wonderful things about being human is that the more you give, the more you have. And so if you're, I think if you're if you're living your life in a way that you're saying, okay, I'm I'm going to take because I deserve things and I and I I want these things and I deserve them but I want to give a little bit more than this thing I'm taking and I I feel that way especially because I feel that living here is such a gift that uh, I I just think of 
lots of little ways to give. And, and some of the ways I've found to give are uh, to shop local. So don't, don't go to the big box store, go to the little market. Uh, don't, don't haggle uh, on, on prices. Uh, if someone is gouging and you know they're gouging, you know, a laugh and a smile, let them know that they, that they, that they know you know it's, it's, it's too much. And uh, they'll probably tell you the real price as you're walking away. And uh, don't feel bad about paying that price because that was the real one to begin with. But, uh, and then just, uh, you know, I've been, I've gone out of my way to not take away work from people. Like there's a, a lady who wants me to help her hang her picture. Well, I could do that, but I said, ask, ask the lo local workers. Mm -hmm. because she'll pay them 200 pesos for that, and it's a few days of food. So right. just be mindful all the time of, of uh, what you're taking and what you're giving, and the place will give to you so much more in ways you never imagined. People will recognize you and say, you're the one who helped out so-and-so. What can I do for you? And... Uh, it, it just matters to just, just to be nice and to be giving. But take the things you want too. Do the, do the things that you want and uh, make at least one day a week into a vacation while you're here. Absolutely. Well, good advice. On that note, I think we'll end it. I appreciate your sharing your story with us. And uh, we'll put a link to your Facebook profile so if people want to reach out to you or take a look at your beautiful photography, they can do that. Please do. All right. Thank you. Is it time to go? Are you starved for adventure and new experiences? Do you feel like you're slowly dying inside, just a little, day by day? Afraid of having to work forever, with never enough money to retire, or live the life you have always imagined? Life doesn't have to be that way. Instead, imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? Join me for How to Retire Overseas on a Shoestring Budget. In this free live workshop, you'll walk away with your own custom roadmap to a dream life in paradise without breaking the bank. Register for our next free workshop at paradiseroadmap.com.